Happy football season. Let's get this. It's episode 15. We are coming to you live from the capital city of the great state of Texas. We're overlooking downtown Austin and the University of Texas. Welcome to the show that knows and that the pride and tradition of the Texas football program and Texas athletics will never be entrusted to the timid or the weak. This is the Eyes on Texas multicast. We are a product of the Republic of Football and Dave Campbell's Texas Football uh, Podcast Network. We're powered by Grande Equipment as well as our founding partners. I'm Aaron Hogan, morning show host at the Horn here in Austin. He, thank goodness, is back in the seat across from me after weeks of covering various conference media days. He is the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Our buddy Mike Craven is back and good to see you. Nice to be seen. Nice to be back in Austin. My own bed. Don't have three hours to drive. Talking season is exhausting for the coaches and the players and and probably annoying. But they only have to do one. (laughs) Yes. Okay, I had to do Big 12 uh, American Conference USA plus Texas High School Coaching Association Convention. I've done enough interviews. I'm ready for football season. Actual games to talk about and cover. Yeah, everybody's done. We've asked the same questions. We've talked about the same things. We need somebody to hit somebody with a pad very hard. Very hard. Well, (laughs) here we are, 32 days away to someone hitting someone very hard. Actually, it's really 25 days because there are some games the week previous to Texas and Rice. I'll take regular practice. We're like a day away (laughs) from at least having like dudes and pads to talk about. Yeah, tomorrow we we record every Monday night here in Austin at uh, the Austin Radio Network studios. And uh, yes, tomorrow Steve Sarkeesian will have a, a training camp news conference, which we'll talk about. Uh, obviously, we're going to preview the season. It's time to get down to brass tacks or talking some football. Pads will start cracking. They'll start with shells and helmets, and then they'll get into pads, and it'll be on. This is the multicast that hopefully you know keeps you on top of all things Texas football. It's available weekly on the Dave Campbell's Texas Football and the Horn FM YouTube pages. It's available for download through iTunes and Spotify. That's why we call it the multicast. There's multiple platforms on which to find us. And, of course, we're powered. By Grande Equipment, let me start by telling you about Grande. They are our presenting partners at Grande. Um, My buddy Wes Murray and his team, who are just really happy to be a part of what we're doing here. Huge Texas fans, but really when it comes to heavy equipment and a project you have, they understand that all that matters is getting that project done to the finish line on time, on budget. That's why Grande partners with you on any and every project. Wes always tells me, tell the people, when we start working together, that's the beginning of the relationship. It's not over till the, the, the job is done. Grande has operated that way for 31 years. They're not in the equipment business. They're in the relationship business. You need that right piece of equipment or lots of equipment for your project. They'll get get you what you want uh, when you need it. Job site ready, no hassle whatsoever. And because you know they're they're intentionally independent, that's a big goal for them because they're not locked into John Deere or Komatsu or Caterpillar. They get you what you need. They get you everything uh, that you need when you need it. That's Grande Equipment. They are. Nimble, small, and independent, but play in the big leagues. They also have a great energy sector supporting solar projects all over the country, specialized in, in pile driver application, new and used. Uh, they are the best. Grande Equipment right here in Central Texas, but a worldwide international equipment dealer. Thank you to Wes and his team. Simply find them online at grandeequipment.com. That's all one word, grandeequipment.com. Com. All right, let's get the football talk going. We break the EOT, the Eyes on Texas multicast, into four quarters each episode, just like a football game. In our second quarter, uh, with Texas football, we'll discuss the important position battles, what players need to step up on offense, defense, special teams. Halftime, we'll get a Texas NIL update from the founder of the Clark Field Collective, collaborator on the Texas One Fund, our great friend Nick Shuley. I know there's a lot of questions in the NIL space from fans and you know, media, like, what, well, how is this all working? Nick is deep under the hood on how this all works, so you're going to learn a lot from Nick, I promise you. Also in our third quarter, we'll dive into the 
Well, something we'll call the Steve Sarkeesian equation. How much do you as a Texas fan and Mike Craven and I believe in this head coach? Is this the year he kicks the door in and uh, wins a Big 12 championship? Also, uh, how much would Gary Patterson's return to his staff help out at this point? And in our final quarter, our fourth quarter, how SEC ready are these Longhorns? Uh, and we'll have some debates about that. But, uh, you know, it's it's time to talk 2024, 2023 football with the Texas Longhorns. The first practice is this week. Our first quarter, always presented by the TexasMortgageGuy.com. That's our buddy Carlos Carrion, the TexasMortgageGuy.com. And let's fire it up, Mike. It's time to talk some football. With training camp starting this week, time to get to brass tacks. Where, what are the Longhorn season expectations for the 2023 season? You've talked to Sark. Actually, you had a sit-down yep. with Sark today. Uh, you were at Big 12 Media Days. You've covered it. Uh, we're going to start with a piece of audio from Steve Sarkeesian. He did a conversation before probably he talked to you with our friend Bobby Burton at Inside Texas and why he's confident in his team this season. And and then in turn, yeah, you're right. I mean, our players have been, have been exposed to a lot of football. And so now them being able to, to you know, talk about their experiences. Jade Barron can talk to a Jalen Gilbo, uh, an Austin Jordan, a Warren Roberson, these different guys that might be – working at that star position, for example, you know, th- those are invaluable. Christian Jones, you know, how much, how much knowledge can he share with a, um, with a Cam Williams or a Malik Ogbo for that matter, or a Peyton Kirkland. So th- that experience in and of itself, I think is helpful. And then I just think our, our football IQ is higher than it's, than it's ever been since I've been here. And that that's always helpful. All right, Mike, with that said, there's a coach who knows this is a big year for him personally, but believes his coaching staff, his veteran team that's got a chip on its shoulder, a team on a mission, as he's called it. Uh, What record do you think Texas finishes with all the uh, digging you've done, talking you've done in the talking season? What is the record when it's the regular season is done? Yeah, I think it's a great point by Sark. I mean, birthdays a lot of times are, are the best thing that can happen to a football team, and they've had a lot of birthdays on the, on this football team in Austin, so that's going to help their development. In the magazine, we had them at 9-3. and three. You know, I think they lose to Alabama. You know, I think that Oklahoma game is a coin flip. I'm still not convinced that Texas can run through a regular season with consistency. Like It's hard for me uh, to predict 10 wins, to predict uh, 11 wins. I think they're going to be favored in probably 10 or 11, You know, maybe Alabama, maybe Oklahoma. But that last final stretch of BYU, Kansas State, at TCU, at Iowa State versus Texas Tech, the Texas program I've known for the last 13, 14 years loses one of those games, maybe two of those games. And so I, I believe that this Texas team is better. It's just hard for me to put my money on on 10-2 and two until I can see them do it week in, week out, until I can see this coach that we'll talk about later do it week in, week yeah, out. Yeah, we, we'll talk to the Steve Sarkeesian equation. 9-3 and three is probably, you know, that's one game better than last year's 8-4. and four. That's why I will go 10-2. Uh, and two. I really will. I think they're a 10-win team. Um, boy, if that, if that Alabama game were to go burn orange way, which we'll talk about, I mean, gosh, if they were to beat Alabama – I mean, I think a run the table is option is is on the table because of the veteran status of this team, because of the birthdays you talked about, and I'm a big believer in cotton coaching coaching staff continuity. I think that matters. I thought it mattered when Tom Herman and Charlie Strong kept changing coaches, revolving door of coordinators and position coaches. Heck, Mac Brown did it. One of the strengths of Mac Brown's program from 1998 through 2010 was. He didn't change out coaches very much at all. It was the same guys, uh, the same dudes that were were coaching and the voices, the messages. And, um, you know, they, they, he had some defensive coordinators that moved on and you know, Bull Reese retired. Other guys moved on to head coaching jobs, but pretty much kept them all together. And I think that's when it started to unravel in 2010. And then 2011 was a five and seven season, had to fire everybody. And that began this revolving door 
of coaching unrest. And obviously there was leadership issues at the top at Texas, but still Sark has kept this staff intact. There's not been one change on the defensive side mm-hmm. in three years, which is big for me. So I do think 10-2 and two is possible. I do think a double-digit win team that plays for the Big 12 championship is there. So I'm going to say 10-2 and two in the regular season playing in Arlington. They have not won 10 games in a regular season since 2009. Yep. You know, they won that 10, you know, 10 games in 2018. That was with the bowl win. So, yep. you know, is this team the best team since that 20, 2009 team? Pro- probably. I think so. Probably so. Uh, but again, that 13 years just has me cynical. And the cynical sports writer in me says, if it's a duck, it's going to quack, right? And then over the last 13 years, it has. And, and I'd like to see them do it before I believe. But you're right. They beat out, they go to Alabama and they beat Alabama on the road. I'm a believer at that point. Yeah, and we'll get into that. Can they beat Alabama uh, coming up in our in our in our next couple questions here? But I would also say this to Sark's comment we just heard. I, I'm a believer in in veteran players that have a chip on their shoulder, and I think there are a ton of guys on this roster who could have gone elsewhere, could have moved on, could have gone to the NFL, who are back, who don't give a damn about the SEC. They don't care. They're not going to play in the SEC. They're going to play in this season, and that's Jordan Whittington. That's Christian Jones at right tackle. That's uh, Tavondre Sweat. That's Jalen Ford. Uh, you know, maybe even Quinn Yours. I mean, most people just think Quinn Yours is bound for the NFL early. You know, these guys are locked into this year, and that's the accountability it's going to take with a continuity, you know, coaching staff full of continuity. Uh, and Sark has also gone out, and we'll talk about this coming up in the, uh, the Sark equation. He's bringing in analysts at every spot. He's really – you know, put his ego aside and saying all hands on deck to make sure we leave no stone unturned. So I do think, yes, this can be the best team since 2009, and that team played for the national championship. Well, this team, I don't know, I think 10-2. and two, I think the Alabama game is going to be tough. Well, let's let's go there. Where's the, there was the biggest potential upset where you look at it and say, you know, Texas may very well in our first quarter here might be a double-digit favorite in most every game they play outside of the Alabama game. Uh, where What game really kind of sticks out is, is that game scares me. It's on the schedule. You know, for me, I, I think the first one that jumps out for me is going to be at Baylor. I have right, that highlighted. Right. Thank you. <laughs> you know, early in the year, just kind of on the road, you get that first test. The way Baylor plays football, you know, a pretty feisty defensive team can muck it up. Offensive line's going to be good. They're going to run the football. And for the same reason, I kind of think that BYU game at home late in the year. I'm higher on BYU than a lot of people. No, but they're 30-year-old men. You know what I mean? Like, they're grown men with families and mortgages, and they tend to be really physical, and we've seen BYU uh, give Texas struggle. Maybe that's just PTSD from me still watching Taysom Hill in my head, you know, running wherever he wanted to. But I I think those two teams, to me, uh, stick out. Maybe at Houston as well, just because of how big that game's going to be for the Cougars. Well, the things I like about the schedule for Texas is that the best two teams on paper for me outside of Alabama they play are here. The Kansas, Kansas State's a really good team. Yeah. Kansas State's got a ton of snaps, ton of experience, back quarterbacks back, climbing, and that crew won the championship. That game's here, though, which you feel better about having not having to go to Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, and then Texas Tech at the end of the year. I think those are really two quality teams, a lot of veteran players uh, on it. Uh, so the game that scares me, I was going to highlight Baylor. I think TCU uh, in Fort Worth in November. That If they're going 10-2, and two, I think they're going to potentially lose to Alabama and then on the road at Fort Worth in the final meeting between Texas and the Horned Frogs. And we know TCU's owned Texas since they've joined the Big 12, and Sonny Dykes has never lost <laughs> to Texas, whether he it was at Cal that. or at he, TCU. He that as well. Yeah, well, and last year, according to some reports, they figured out the signs and they kind of knew what Texas was running, and that's been one of those conspiracy things. And Sonny figures out a, Sonny, he figures out a way. And I don't know what kind of season this is going to be for them, but I know that Texas, I know, you know, based on his dad, uh, the Gary Patterson factor, 
he 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 knows that how important that game is. So that would be one that would really concern me. Uh, and, and it's right I, after Kansas State. It's right after the biggest. You know, Kansas State may end up being the biggest game of the year. Yeah, I, I don't think that would be that much of an upset if Kansas State won that. Like that, in my no. mind, that's going to be a three four point you know Agreed. line or Agreed. something like that. Agreed. Yeah, that may. Yeah, that might exactly. The Longhorns will be favored by a field goal, maybe a little more at that yeah. point, and. Uh, it might be for the the supremacy in the Big Twelve at that point, uh, and you're right about that. And and also I'll throw in the Iowa State game in Ames. You know that's just one of those weird things happen in Ames. Texas is a lot better than, but you know look they played here last year, and you know if not for a Jalen Ford force fumble late in that game, uh, Iowa State might have beat them again. So always circle that deal, and that goes to your correct and rightful cynicism that you're just not believing until you see it. Uh, come on, show it to me, and we'll start to believe. Uh, you know, it took that too for you know Mac Brown to to start to get believers to not stub your toe along the way. Because I have no doubt Texas can beat the best team on their schedule, but I also don't have much doubt that they could lose to like the fifth, sixth, seventh best team in the Big Twelve. You know, just on any give, that they may go to Iowa State and be what what at to that point ten, or nine and one. And lose that game to be nine and two, and now you're playing Texas Tech at the end to see where you fall there. Like that, to me, that just feels very Texas, right? Like they're always the Cowboys. Like that's how I think of the Cowboys too. <laughs> they can beat anybody on any given Sunday, right? They can get up for those big games. I have no doubt they go into Tuscaloosa and play a really good game against Alabama. They may beat the crap out of Oklahoma again, but I also don't trust them to go through that last final five week of the stretch and just play. That clean, solid football that TCU played last year, where they just never shot themselves in the foot, where they always came up with the big play, where they always showed up in the fourth quarter, where they always had a guy who just seemed to just figure it out, and it wasn't in the playbook, and they just went and made that play. Does Texas have that guy, and does Texas have that kind of togetherness and culture? We're going to find out in year three. Well, Steve Sarkeesian would say they do, and we won't find out, as we know, until the bullets start flying mm-hmm. and games start happening. But he feels really good about the connect- connectivity of this team. Uh, here's a good one. Is it more likely that Texas beats Alabama or runs the table in the Big 12? I Again, to my point, I think they they can beat Alabama. Like I, I don't think that's a coin flip game, but I mean, I think it's 60% Alabama, 40% Texas. I mean, Texas probably has the better quarterback, probably the better offense. Alabama's at home and all the talent that they have on defense. But yeah, I think I think Texas's big problem isn't who they can beat for Getting me up for a big game for me yes for me it's just the consistency week over week that you require to beat these teams and a lot of times it feels like the Texas locker room gets that we're Texas we run over these teams we beat these teams it, you know but everybody in the Big 12 is pretty good they may not be SEC good but they're pretty good and they can beat you and also the thing we haven't talked about is Texas is going to play a lot of teams for the last time Oh yeah, the, and they're the, going to have a. I mean, they always have a bullseye on their back, but it's going to be giant this year, and so uh, they're going to play a lot of games where this matters a lot to that fan base and those players, and, and that's going to be something they got to deal with as well. Uh, a couple more here in our first quarter. It's brought to you by the Texas Mortgage Guy dot com. Our buddy Carlos Carrion. Uh, but how many Big Twelve losses is acceptable for Steve Sarkeesian based on everything we've talked about? What's the number? I say ten and two, which means I'm going to pick them to lose to Alabama. So I got them on one conference loss. Um, you know, you have them with two, it sounds like. What's acceptable? Yeah, I mean, I, I think two, if it gets you into the Big 12 championship game, still acceptable. For me, it's just getting into that Big 12 championship game. So if there's two 8-1 and one teams and you're 7-2 and two and you don't get there, that that's you're going to get a lot of smoke headed that way, right? But if, if you go 7-2 and two and you get into the – if you do what Kansas State did last year, you go 7-2 in the conference, you make it to the Big 12 championship game, you win the Big 12 championship game. I think that's acceptable. And so uh, in the vacuum, I don't know if it's about the losses as much as about 
winning the Big 12. Like To me, that is the marker for Steve Sarkeesian. For all the reasons we've talked about, they are head and shoulders better than the Big 12 this year. All right. They so should coming go up in our other quarters, when we hear from Sark from this conversation with Inside Texas today, we'll hear him talk about the leaders on this team and who is really emerging to replace B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson with that leadership. Also, you know, one of the big goals of training camp starting this week is those intangibles, those fourth quarters, those, you know, big moment, um, you know, because they feel like they, they have this team kind of where they want it. Uh, it's really start fine-tuning on being ready to handle big moments in fourth quarters, which change the game. You hear from Sark in his own words on that. Last thing in our first quarter, if Texas doesn't play in the Big 12 title game, which is you just said, and I completely agree, Mike Craven, doesn't play in Arlington in early December for a Big 12 championship, who would you pick to be there? I think Kansas State's won. I agree. Yeah, I think Kansas State's second best team in the conference. And then I'm going to pick Oklahoma just because of their schedule. I mean, I don't think they play the the second, third, or fourth pick team in the conference or something like that. Or three of the top five, and they're one, and Texas is the other. So they have the easiest road to to get there. I'd pick Kansas State versus Oklahoma if it's not Texas. Yeah, and they wouldn't have played them in the regular season, as you just said. I agree with you. That's exactly right. I wrote down. It's better if I had someone else. But I think K State's the most solid team, not named Texas. They check the most boxes, and they're the defending champions. And Oklahoma schedule reasons alone. When you're toughest in the preseason, you guys in the preseason media not always right, but but the uh, especially in this conference in the preseason media poll, the only true road game, the highest ranked and predicted team that Oklahoma plays on the road is Oklahoma State, who was picked to finish seventh. They play Texas neutral, who's picked to win it. They play T. They play uh, uh, then then it's Oak State. I mean, they play home to TCU. But as you said, they dodge Texas Tech, they dodge Kansas State somehow, um, they dodge Baylor somehow. Tech. Which, uh, yeah, Tech, 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 Kansas, and Baylor. They don't play. It's just, you know, that's you when know, we've been talking to folks up in Oklahoma who say if they don't win ten games, yeah. major problem. Brett Venables, you know, May Day, May Day. Especially if Lincoln Riley and USC does what you know a lot of people think they're going to do as well, because a lot of this is a comparison in a vacuum. Like oh. You're comparing yourself to your ex. No way, no and, doubt. And so if she's if doing Dave better fault, than me, yes, yes. <laughs> and right now he absolutely is. Hey, it, it is our first quarter that wraps it up. We'll get into more Texas football talk, talk deep dive, brass tax conversation here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. But our first quarter brought to you by, by our buddy Carlos Carrion. We call him, and he calls himself the TexasMortgageGuy.com. It is so much better to work with like-minded people when it comes to a big decision like a mortgage or a refi. Uh, somebody who knows the business, the lay of the land, lifelong Austinite like Carlos is, but uh, also, uh, you know, he's a Longhorn fan. So you can talk football, you have like minds, you're talking uh, what's going on, uh, really makes things a little, a little easier. Uh, we break the ice and get this thing going, and you can trust Carlos every single time. As I say, born and raised Austinite, uh, over, uh, going on 10 years in the industry. Not here to just provide you a quote but really your guide to help solve problems and strategize one of the most important decisions financially you'll make in your life with a refi or you know buying a home, maybe buying a rental property, any of those kind of things. Let Carlos Carrion be your guy. He is the TexasMortgageGuy.com. You won't run into a better dude and a better person than Carlos, uh, trustworthy through the through and through. Just one of those guys you want to work with, I promise you. That's Carlos Carrion, TheTexasMortgageGuy.com. Don't forget the the, and you'll get right to him at TheTexasMortgageGuy.com. Let's get our second quarter underway. It's delivered always by the good times and incredible scratch comfort food at Hayes City Store and Ice House in Driftwood, Texas. Also, the Taste on Main in Buda, both great uh, destination locations owned by my friends Travis and Tamara Tyndall, absolute destination locations in Buda and Driftwood. And let's dive back into the Texas football talk. Before we do, I want to play another piece of sound from Sark based on something we just talked about, and that is the player leadership. 
player leadership on this team. Year after year, you have to you have to kind of really monitor the maturity of your team and those players. I've been really impressed. You know, a guy that stands out to me that that a year ago worked hard, worked probably as hard or harder than anybody on our team, but now is taking it to another level is Xavier Worthy. And so he there's a level of expectation from him and his peers of what it looks like. JT Sanders, obviously Jordan Whittington. And what I've seen out of Quinn over the last six months has been super impressive. He's not the new kid on the block. He's He feels like this is his team. Um, Kelvin Banks. Defensively, Byron Murphy is a guy. Baron Sorrell has really stepped into that fold. I think Jade Barron, you could see the maturity in him from year after year after year. The emergence of a Jalen Catalan uh, of coming in and, and what he provides. And so, and, and I'm, you know, I'm leaving out Jalen Ford, who's probably the, the, the biggest one there. So there's a lot of really cool leaders on this team that is different than it just being one or two guys like we had the last couple of years. I feel like like our leadership committee this year is as strong if than it as ever uh, because I feel like all those guys really understand the responsibility of being on that committee. Uh, they take it very seriously and they do a great job of leading and they do a great job of holding people accountable and and doing it in a way where it makes guys feel empowered to want to do it more uh, and pushing people and motivating people and supporting people to be the best that that, that they can be. All right, so there he is. I mean, uh, he, he took a while to say Jalen Ford on defense, but he said that's the biggest guy uh, who replaces Roshan and Bijan. Uh, it's it's got Xavier Worthy, he mentions, is a guy that's really stepped up into a leadership role. Uh, guys who were just good players, hard workers, are now taking a more vocal approach to how they do things. Uh, he mentioned Jalen Catalan, who just got here from Arkansas. He brings a swagger to him. I know you covered Jalen when he was in high school. Uh, they got some dudes with swag. I mean, they got some dudes that will get in your face if things aren't being done properly. That's the kind of veteran leadership it's going to take to navigate and not have one of those stub-your-toe games. And they have a lot of experience, and when you have experience and you have skins on the wall and you have tape you can show people and you have earned kind of confidence, other people listen to you more. And for a long time, Texas had guys in the locker room who to talk it, to talk it, but they don't go and play it. Like They don't go and do it. I think Moro Jomo kind of mentioned that and talked about that and kind of got in the doghouse for airing some of that laundry, right? And so it feels like there's more guys in that locker room who care, who are accountable, and who have done enough for the University of Texas where they can stand in front of the rest of the team and say, hey, this is the standard now. This is what we're doing. We're getting back uh, to where we're supposed to be. And every coach I know says the best teams that they've had are player-led. And so if Texas can be that, you know, maybe that, that's going to be the secret sauce for the Longhorns this year. Well, I think you talked about it earlier when, in our first quarter with TCU, right? How do you have that magical season where somebody steps up in the right moment? Let's not act like TCU was a cakewalk. They had some double-digit – you know, deficits they had to overcome. They had the Baylor game, which was bleak, and Waco. Uh, they had a lot in a magical season. They also stayed pretty injury-free. But, yeah, they had guys who are now playing in training camp in the NFL step in, step up, and make a play. And that's really what it takes. And it feels like Texas has some of those guys. Where are the most important position battles in your mind? Where are the spots where you look at it and say, that dude really has to earn his job or else he's going to get passed up? I, I'm super in, uh, interested in what they're going to do in the interior. You know, it feels like, and I, offensive line is one of those where a lot of people are going to play. You're not going to just play five guys all the time. But, you know, of the Cole Hudson, DJ Campbell, Jake Majors trio, which two are your best five, fit into your best five, right? Um, so I think that one's a big one. But I think the offense is mostly settled. You know, like whoever gets those, you know, maybe running back and, and who becomes the lead running back there is going to be a big one. I think the season's going to figure that one out. Uh, but for me, it's going to re- remain the linebacker next to Jalen Ford. 
who becomes that guy. Uh, how well that dude plays is going to determine a lot of what this defense is. Because Jalen Ford playing so well next to DeMarvion Overshone last year is what made the Texas defense take that step forward. Well, somebody he's going to take the Overshone spot. Somebody's got to be Jalen Ford now. Somebody's got to step up and be the unexpected guy who you know takes up that slack. Who's that going to be? I, I think that's going to be the the battle I'm watching the most. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. And you know, Payam Sadat coming in as an analyst. Gary Patterson looks like he's going to be back in the program because uh, he just wants to be around it. It's that time. Clock's ticking. Yeah, yeah camp time. <laughs> I yeah. need to go to camp. It's like a junkie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like sunset, and it's like, oh man, we got to figure this out. Well, and I also think Gary Patterson wants to coach again. Oh yeah. And I think he he, no he sees this can be a special team. We'll talk more about that coming up. In our third quarter uh, but I would agree with you uh, that linebacker spot's going to be a spotlight all year I agree on the interior on the D-line I think the most competition may come in the secondary I just think there's a lot of dudes I think there's a lot of guys that you know obviously Jade Barron had a great season and he's the starter but man Jalen Gilbo's not going to back down at star he's going to want to get on the field um, you know we had Rod Babers in here for the couple of weeks when you were out and you know, he, he played at Texas when it was competition. Like, yeah. you had to earn your spot. And once you earned it, you didn't come off the field. So who's going to win the, the corner ops at Ryan Watts? Is it Terrence Brooks? Gavin Holmes? Uh, you know, is, is Jalen Gilbo going to go battle for that spot? I mean, uh, Jalen Catalan at safety, Keaton Crawford. There's a lot of guys back there who really d- want to be on the football field. That's, that, that, to me, only can mean a good thing that, you know, a lot of competition back there. And kind of like when Rod B was playing, they're going up against one of the top three receiving cores in the country, and they're playing every day against those guys. They get to show them start. I mean, you, you got to guard A.D. Mitchell and the X-Man and Jordan Whittington on a on a practice by practice basis. You get to show your stuff. Yeah. First off, you gotta you can't have somebody better than me on when I'm gone, <laughs> right? Like you can't you can't you can't let the viewers think the show improved by me leaving. And also, congrats to you and Rod on the show. I, I hear that that's that's going to happen in the morning, so that that'll be really cool. Uh, two of my favorite people to listen, uh, talk to you about Texas football. But, yeah, I mean, the secondary back in Rod's day, I mean, practice was cooler than the games. I mean, I was one of the kids that got to go hang out. This was before one of the Shipley boys got hurt and the media, you know, put it out there before the parents found out and we weren't allowed to go to practices anymore. But back in the day, you could just go watch, you know, future NFL receivers go up against – like, 7-on-7 seven seven was the coolest part of my week, right, when you could go – uh, watch that stuff, and that was open and to the public. it was intense competition. And it was intense competition, and they would all tell you that once they got to the game, that stuff was easy. Those guys weren't any good, you know? And I think <laughs> Texas is getting back to that point where, you know, you start looking at the wide receivers and the, and the cornerbacks and, and the state, and, like, what that one-on-one, and even on offense and defensive line, what those one-on-one battles will do in practice is really iron-sharpening iron in a way that should make the Iowa State game feel easier, that should make the Baylor game feel easier. Maybe they're getting back to that point. Yeah, you know, got to be cynical about it till you see it, but it does feel like that. I'm like yes. talking myself back into ten wins like, <laughs> as we're doing. Well, show. thank you uh, for mentioning Rod. Yes, Rod and I moving forward because of a lot of changes at the Horn here in Austin. If you if you listen on the Horn app, hornfm.com, Rod and I will be doing a show starting August seventh every morning for five hours. So we're going, uh, <laughs> and I've never. And one of the reasons cool. I was I was happy to have uh, I was happy yeah. to have Todd uh, have Rod come in those two day, two Mondays you were out. Was you know I hadn't you know, I'd done pregame shows with Rod but we haven't done a, a show show and it was good I mean I just thought you know you, you know he, he was a big fan of yours as well uh, so we're glad to have him he's got to say that or my grandfather will make him like do 
10 miles of biking and stuff. He's still scared. He's still got PTSD from the sand pit. So, yeah, well, so he's he's scared of the Craven name. Well, R- Rod B., you're welcome anytime on the Eyes on Texas yeah. multicast. And uh, we look forward to covering Texas football together this year on the Horn in Austin while we follow Mike's work at Dave Campbell's Texas football. All right, real quick, to wrap up our second quarter, uh, who are the players in your mind that ab- absolutely have to step up? Can you signify one guy on either side of the yeah. ball, maybe even on special teams, who have to – you know, at least live up to some billing or ex- exceed the expectation if Texas is going to win a Big 12 title. Yeah, I'll give you one on each side of the ball real quick. I, I think Jaden Blue, in, in his development at the running back position, can unlock this offense, right? Like, if, if C.J. Baxter doesn't have to become the guy, if Jonathan Brooks doesn't have to be a 20-carry guy, if Jaden Blue can be the recruit we saw as a sophomore and, and junior in high school and incline, I, I think that really helps the the backfield and answers a lot of questions there. And then defensively, you mentioned him a little bit. To me, it's Terrence Brooks. Like, that dude can be special. Like he can be a shut down big time corner in the Big Twelve this year. If he can do that, and all of, all of a sudden Gavin Holmes is your third best corner, you're in a really really good spot, and and, a, and you're at a position where you've gotten better over the year despite losing a couple of guys at that spot. Yeah, uh, I like that a lot. Now. I put Jonathan Brooks just because I think he's going to be the lead running back to start the year. For our audience, you covered Jaden in high school, and it's kind of he's kind of one of those enigmas because he sat out his senior year, yeah. haven't seen him much. What makes him special? I feel like his upside, like he just he had the ability to make plays out of nothing. He was very balanced, electric. You know, catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, and so he has the explosion that I think can make him really good. And, and I feel like Jonathan Brooks is going to be good. I feel like he's more of a known commodity. So if Jaden Blue can come along and become that number two guy, that can become the Roshan Johnson, that can become the change of pace, all of a sudden Texas has really, really two really good running backs with C.J. Baxter now allowed to grow into the season and become more of a dude by week five, week six, when he has his sea legs. Not somebody you need against Alabama week two because it's Jonathan Brooks, Keelan Robinson, and, and now C.J. Baxter. I like that. Uh, and so Jonathan Brooks, huge for me. And whoever's going to emerge in that running back room. And let's not forget about Keelan. Keelan Robinson is a senior, really has a chance to be the gadget guy. You know, change. There'll be so much focus on so many good players offensively. That's the kind of guy that can get out the gate and really you know change a game pretty darn quick uh, with the creativity of Sark's mind. On defense for me, it's, it's Alfred Collins. I mean, that's an easy thing. But we talk about unlock a defense. If Alfred Collins and you listen to NFL scouts, we read uh, last week, I think it was the quote from Jim Nagy at the Senior Bowl because they're keeping an eye on these guys too. You know, the, the scouts say it pretty clearly. If he can unlock that Sunday potential every play, all the time when he's on the field. And in this depth on defense, he's not going to be on the field but for 20, 25 snaps. It's like he's got to do it for 40 snaps a game, 45 snaps. He's got to be out there and he's got to deliver. Every single time, he can become that next to Byron Murphy, who anytime you ask any of the coaches who's the guy up front, it's him. Uh, Sark, you heard him talk about Baron Sorrells really having a good camp. Uh, Alfred Collins has to be that five-star guy. If he is consistently, this defense goes from potentially good good to great. Yeah, if, if Byron Vaughns was inside Alfred Collins' body. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it would have been like a top-five draft pick. Like It would be Will Anderson or something like that, right? It would be a super – I. At some point, and again, this is the cynical sports writer in me. At some point, you are who you are. Yeah, right. Well, and that's like, what we thought about Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojimo the previous right. off season too. Right. That would be my that, only. That, argument. That's that's fair. I don't think with them that was ever a "Are you a dog?" conversation. And I think with Alfred, like that's always been the conversation. He's a gentle giant, and it, it, even back at Cedar Creek days, it was like, "Can this guy go dominate?" And you'd go to Burger, and he'd be getting blocked by dudes that look six foot 185 pound dudes at like Aikens you know and it was like just go kill that guy and he just didn't have that in him yet right and you thought 
when he got to Texas and he wasn't worried about hurting people, that that would be unlocked. And still he feels like a basketball player playing football. And for his sake, I hope it turns the corner because if so, he's a millionaire tomorrow. I mean, that, that's how good he can be. And this defense can be really dynamic yeah, no uh, because they're going to be unblockable up front. Uh, led the nation in pressures, or top three in the nation last year in pressures. They start getting home with some of those interior pressures, even from the outside. Uh, you know, he's a big part of that. All right, there's our second quarter. It's brought to you by Hayes City Store. And Taste on Main in Buda. Hey, City Store is open for business, ready to roll. They've been open, gosh, since 2015 now. Uh, they're open every day, and they just keep expanding. Outdoor patio and, and sports bar now in the Ice House. Uh, they always have that canopy of oak trees, live music on their stage. But really what's make, what separates... Uh, hey City Store and Ice House is just the scratch Texas comfort food, uh, the 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 vibe, the environment for a big event or birthday party, a happy hour. It's a destination location. They've got wood fried pizzas or fired pizzas, house ground burgers, best chicken fried steak you'll eat, truck stop enchiladas, plus over fifty three beers on tap and so much more. It's eight nine eight nine FM one fifty in Driftwood. Hey City Store and Ice House. Uh, their complete mouth watering menu is online at Hey City Store TX. Dot com. That's HayCityStoreTX.com. And, you know, if you're near Buda and around Buda, destination location as well. Downtown Main Street in Buda is Taste on Main. Travis and Tamara Tindall, who own Hay City Store Nice House, have opened uh, Taste on Main this year. A little higher end, obviously, steaks, oysters, seafood, a raw bar, a wonderful drink menu. It is a really cool place. Great spot for an anniversary, birthday, event, and just brunch. You know, Sunday, Monday, they do a great job at Taste on Main, downtown Buda. It is time for our halftime segment here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. And as in every week and every episode, it is delivered. Uh, just the right pressure at halftime by One Source Gas, your one-stop shop in Central Texas for all gas products. I'll tell you about Richard and his team coming up. But excited to have in the house for our halftime, our buddy buddy Nick Shuley. Uh, Nick is a uh, the founder of the Clark Field Creative, also heavily involved in the NIL building at, at Texas, a collaborator at Texas One Fund. Uh, he is by day, day a marketing expert, also the president of the Austin Music Movement among all of his labels. Uh, Nick, how are you, bud? I'm doing great, man. How are you? They're going good. What do you What do you tell people your job is? I mean, because it's it's a it's a long list. Uh, no, no one knows what I do. My parents don't even know what I do. Like, I, I don't think anyone in my life does. So what I just try to. I just try, it's it's mainly music, sports, marketing related. Is probably the easiest way to say it. But uh, the the full time job is uh, keeping Austin a music town as well as trying to you know trying to keep a lot of uh, UT's NIL efforts going. Well, one of the things we really want to do on the Eyes on Texas multicast once the season starts and and we're about 32, 33 days away now is uh, at our halftime feature, highlight a, a lifetime Longhorn former player, what they're up to now, how they're doing, do a quick interview with them and catch up, and the audience can uh, find out where their favorite Longhorns and what they're up to these days. And, uh, you know, you've you've helped, you've promised you'd help me with that, with uh, <laughs> uh, your connections and everybody you know, which we're excited about. But let's start with this, because NIL is such a curiosity for everyone. Name, image, and likeness, the, 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 uh, the ability for student-athletes, football, and every sport to capitalize on that, their name, image, and likeness. How did you get involved with that when when it all began? <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a complete happy accident. So I think I think it, nil officially became legal in July of 2021. I believe it was. I always get my years messed up on that. But I uh, I honestly didn't know anything about it. And the only thing I think I had I had read or seen up till about October of that year was that Bryce Bryce Young was making a million dollars on something. And I was like, huh, man, everybody's just getting rich off this. That's that's good. You know, these kids deserve to make money. And you know, I knew a lot of guys that played at Texas and and lived with a couple of them for a bit with Brad Buckman and Royal Ivy. And so, uh, you know, I just assume everybody's doing great. And then I had a couple people reach out to me from from you know their generation and said, 
hey, uh, there's a kid on the team currently that really needs some help. He's got this cool cancer story. I know you worked with Lance Armstrong and helped him with his marketing, getting speaking circuits and a, and a lot of these things. And so could you help this kid? And I said, sure, I'll, t- I'll, I'll meet with them. So I went, uh, met met Andrew and really just thought, you know, thought the kid was pretty incredible. And he talked to him for a while. He wanted to take you know, 10 per, 10% of every dollar, 20% of every dollar and give it to the Jimmy V foundation for cancer research, just for all the, all the things he'd experienced. And, and I really liked it and said, man, I'm, I'm all in, tell me how I can help. I don't, I don't want anything from you. I don't need a dime. I just want to help you. And, uh, his response was, well, I don't really understand how it all works. Can you go talk to compliance? Which to, <laughs> which to me sounded like going to talk to the principal, which, you know, it, it, it a little bit is. And so, uh, we went, talked to, uh, I talked to the to uh, one of the compliance people from Texas and and just kind of picked their brain a little bit and, and understood like kind of how that how it worked and then tried to figure it out more and I remember I was on a my my big research on figuring out NIL was I read the state law about ten times on a flight to Disney World with my niece you know my six year old niece punching me the entire time so and you know trying to get me to play games with her but then I you know I really understood it and saw saw kind of a a, a, a way to, to make it work and just what were the ins and outs and, and just trying to figure out how to make it legal for Andrew, but then ended up hanging out with Andrew the next week and his roommate, Jace Febbers, and kind of talked with them for a while. And I was like, you guys just getting rich off this stuff? And they were like, man, we can't even afford to take our girls to dinner like right now or to movies. And so it kind of became my thought of like, how can we just figure out how to get five grand a semester for every guy on the basketball team. And I was like, this shouldn't, this shouldn't be that hard. So what we did was I called a few people around the, around the program who I knew from back in the day and just said, Hey, here's what I'm trying to do. Trying to raise 140 grand, 10 grand for every kid on the team. Can we do this? And pretty quickly had that raised and was pretty much going to be done with it. And, you know, figured out the legal way to do it, unlock that. And then all of a sudden, my phone started ringing with everyone being like, "We need help. We need to figure out football. We need to figure out all you know all these different sports at Texas." And so through that, we kind of put together what became Clarkfield Collective, and tried tried to just keep everything as by the book, legal, et cetera. And it and it was super tough because so much of there there weren't a lot of systems set up. There weren't a lot of ways to do things. And and everything you do, I spent so much time. God bless Blake and Lori and compliance at UT because they spent so much time on the phone with me because I'd be like. Hey, is it legal if we do this? And they'd be like, "Oh, let's check," you know, and these kind of things. So we through that we kind of figured it out. And um, I don't know how deep you want me to go into it. Well, but. no, I mean, I think that's for our audience is uh, is really deep, and that's the you know it's this thing. The whole point is it's it's like the the Wright brothers learning to fly. I mean, yeah. we're, we're trying to get this plane off the ground, and we know that comes with a lot of challenges. There are going to be some crashes, and there's going to be some uh, some bad experiences with this. And I think that's where we're at. But I, you know, in our conversations with you, because you also on the show I host on the Horn every every morning, come on and do our live music update in the live music capital of the world. But you know, you're a lifetime Longhorn. You, as you said, you lived with a bunch of basketball players growing up. You've you a lifelong Austinite and all those things. Uh, so you're passionate about it. But at the same time, it's such a challenge to navigate this and thing and get it you know off the ground uh but the thing i keep hearing is you're seeing the 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 success stories where athletes are connecting with people in the business world through charitable endeavors helping people in the community and they're meeting people quite honestly who can help their careers beyond their sport beyond their athletic ability uh and really what the university of texas is about this this powerful network of people Uh, but in the same time a lot of the things are really everything you've told me you you're helping with has a charitable element to it 
Yeah, and so through through that, we had the 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 guys at, at Horn with Heart had the Horns with Heart had the foresight to put together this deal for the offensive lineman and figured out how to get a 501c3 status. And and it was still a real early area where the IRS hadn't hadn't seen anything like that. And they they managed to to fill out the paperwork, do everything right, got that approved. And then a, a, after that, a lot of uh, nonprofits started kind of popping up at Texas for NIL. And so we. You know, behind the scenes, they they were all kind of doing their thing, and and I saw the need to like to say, hey guys, let's let's all talk and get together because we're all kind of competing with each other. How can we get this to where everybody works together? And to their credit, they had the foresight to to kind of get everything rolled up, and then that's where Texas One Fund came from. And so, kind of we we operate on Clarkfield Creative on the kind of the for profit side, really. And so we'll we'll do deals with a lot of the businesses and and uh, do deals with the kids through the businesses, whereas One Fund will do it through, whether it's through donors, charities. Et cetera. And so every dollar that's unlocked at, at Texas One Fund goes through charities and we help kind of manage those events, set up the charities just from, you know, my knowledge of charities in the town, plus plus Charity and Mark, her name is Charity, who we work with on Texas One Fund. And so we'll set up deals uh, or kind of activations with a lot of the charities. And I, and I think like you mentioned, it's it's not it's not kind of it doesn't look like people think it does. The, these things are actually doing a really big thing of introducing the kids to the community, opening up. Texas athletes to all these different charities, people, businesses. And I think it's a great thing. We kind of get lost in all the numbers of NIL, but there's actually a lot of great things happening where these kids are getting a lot of getting a lot of experience in marketing, getting a lot of experience in sponsorship, as well as just understanding how to interact with the community and work with the charitable side of it. Well, I know on our show you brought Demonte Tucker Dorsey, the one year linebacker at Texas, <laughs> who's now a rising star in real estate because because uh, your one of your 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 uh, mentor is Gary uh, um Mr. Keller there at Keller yep. Williams Realty, Gary Keller brought him under his wing, which is pretty amazing. And you talked about how it's all sports, right? Football obviously gets the headlines and how much is Quinn Ewers getting and each player and all that goes with that. We know football is a huge driver. Those are the biggest stars on campus. But, you know, volleyball has been big. Volleyball it won a national championship last year. They're coming to you guys saying, hey, how can we help? How can we get involved in this? We want more exposure for volleyball. Um, you know, there's a lot of athletes. There's 500 student athletes on the campus at UT who want to be involved in this in the community, but also finding ways to benefit. Yeah, and that, that was big for us at, at Clark Field. I, you know, we knew that we knew that football was going to have funds coming in, but we wanted to figure out how to how to get money to the other non revenue sports and, and a lot of the you know a lot of female athletics too. And so we we worked and anytime I would do a big contract with someone, I'd say, hey, can we take ten percent of this and give it to the non revenue sports? And so through that, we were able to do a lot of deals with with volleyball, with basketball, with swimming and diving, et cetera, you know, or a lot of the other programs. And I think that's key. And I think that's something that Texas, as you guys know, Texas does a great job of. Like, we're, we're such a strong overall program. And so we try to help with a lot of those things. But you got a team like the, the volleyball team, which in, I would call possibly the most marketable team on campus. Like, and, and when you see those girls out at events, they, they, they crush it. They're awesome. They're interactive. They stay after. They really get after it. And I think those – those moments lead to to more moments for them, and a lot of people see that and say, "Hey, I want I want that working with my brand, or I want that out at my charity." He's Nick Shuley. Our halftime segment here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast. Obviously, there's federal legislation coming. The state legislation just changed in July. This is an ever uh, moving. <clears throat> You know, target, I guess, is the way you would put it. Uh, same time, is there any way to predict what the next phases are, what the next steps are, <laughs> and how our audience who watches the Eyes on Texas multicast every week and you know, how they can be a part of it if they do want to get involved with Clark Field, with Texas One Fund, what are the easiest ways to, to get involved? Yeah, I think I think whatever, whatever happens with the legislation is going to be fascinating. I think that right now it's kind of a battle between – 
you know, there's federal involved, there's NCAA, there's the state laws, and everyone's kind of trying to figure out who to, you know, who to defer to or what the what the right way to handle this is. And, and honestly, don't know. Like my my prediction was, I thought a lot of the power conferences would kind of get together and and say, hey, this is how we're going to do this. This is what we all accept is is fair, which is kind of what I think the NCAA was or 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 should should be. And so we'll we'll see what happens. It's kind of all happening real time, and I don't think anyone really knows. I think there's two separate pieces, at least two separate pieces of federal legislation uh, going forward right now. But but yeah, if people want to get involved, a great way is to donate at TexasOneFund.org, and that's one spelled out O N E. And uh, or if you want to if you want to work with us, it's just uh, you can you can hit us up at uh, Nick at Clarkfield Collective or Mark at ClarkfieldCollective.com. All right, buddy. And we'll have uh, further occasions to talk. Hopefully uh, Mark can make it in at some point. We'll talk with him about that. He's your other guy at Clark Field. Obviously, it's a growing event, uh, you know, operation. Uh, it's getting off the ground, but UT doing it as well as anybody right now, it feels like. And we appreciate Nick Shuley with his insight at halftime uh, here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, guys. Halftime on the Eyes on Texas multicast, always brought to you by One Source Gas of Austin and throughout Central Texas. They are your Texas compressed gas leader. One Source Gas providing compressed gas services such as CO2, nitrogen, oxygen, propane, and many more to various industries throughout the great state and all over Central Texas. They are uh, your leader in CO2 providers uh, in in the service and hospitality industry. That's a pretty big industry here in Central Texas, also serving the medical industry uh, and industrial industry and many more. One Source Gas is locally owned and operated by buddy Richard Strever and his great team. Uh, More than 12 years now, they understand that exceptional customer service is the key to your success in providing products to help run your business. These are necessities to run in a bar or a restaurant, Uh, your CO2 to to pull your taps and all that you need there, compressed gas. If you're a dental office or a veterinary clinic, you have to have the compressed gas needs on your uh, and available uh, on time and ready to go. That's what they do at uh, One Source Gas, uh, your CO2 and compressed gas provider. Visit their website, OneSourceGasATX com. That's one source gas atx.com or call Richard and his team. Uh, one of their staff members will be glad to help you with your compressed gas needs. 512-214-8484. That's 512-214-8484. Or go to the website, one source gas atx.com. Thank you to Nick Shuley. Time for our third quarter. That's brought to you by uh, our buddy Greg Eckert and his brain vault technology, where it's time to play hard, but play safe. So adults and kids can play hard with their mouthpiece and play it safer. Uh, we'll talk, tell you all about the Brain Vault technology coming up. But it's third quarter, and we're calling it the Sarkeesian Equation. We've kind of danced around this topic and conversation throughout our 15 multicasts and certainly on this one in our first and second quarter. But how much do you believe in this head coach, Mike Craven? You've covered a lot of coaches in Texas, a lot of coaches around the Big 12 and around the country. Yeah, I mean, I think if I'm being honest, my biggest question for the Texas football team in 2023 is their head coach. And his ability to be the consistent force required behind the scenes to keep a team level between good times and bad. Um, For me, it's stuff like the bowl game. I know it sounds dumb, but like when you see a guy flip out that much over somebody having their hand on your chest, you're like, man, what's what's going on here, right? And so uh, what what happens in those moments of fire? What happens in that halftime where your team's rattled and you need to be the calming force? Like, can you be the calming force of that? He hasn't had a team that's ever been able to do that. He hasn't had a team that we would call consistent and gritty and good for four quarters and reliable on a week-to-week basis. All of his teams historically have been up and down. Even when he was in the NFL as a coordinator, that's kind of that's kind of been the whole bag. And so, you know, he's always lost at least two games, and that includes the five-game season when he got fired at USC. They'd already lost two games that year. And so my worry for Texas isn't 
the talent they have on offense, the talent they have on defense, the leadership behind the scenes on on the team. It, it's just, do they have the leader that can take you through what are inevitably going to be bad moments? And so far, we haven't seen that from Sark. And maybe it's just maturity because I didn't show that for most of my life either, right? Like we all grow up and we go through failures and you figure it out. And Sonny Dykes hadn't figured it out. I would have had the same conversation about Sonny Dykes if we were sitting here a year ago talking about if TCU could go do something that big. And so I think eventually you you either figure it out or you don't. And with coaching, you just don't know, right? You just can't know. Uh, but for me, that's that's my biggest question for Texas because they have all the talent in the world. Because yeah, uh, I'll be the do guy. Do they have the leadership? And you, everything you point out right there, Mike, is on point. I mean, that's Wikipedia. That's factual, mostly on Wikipedia. I mean, that's <laughs> absolutely the, the the story. And uh, but at the same time, I can point out the reasons for why. And took over a terrible program at Washington. Had personal issues at USC. Um, you know, he got to the NFL with the Falcons. It, you know, the roster wasn't suited to kind of what he wanted to do. Uh, now. At Alabama, he was otherworldly calling plays, but Nick Saban was the guy. He could be that guy. Dictating the everyday tenacity of the team, keeping them level, keeping them even. And you're right about that. That is the biggest question. I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, let's hear from Sark here in our third quarter, brought to you by the uh, Brain Vault Technology. Goals for training camp. This is where Sark talks about situational football. Uh, interesting to hear because the first practices are this week. But they feel like they can hit the ground running. They've got a lot of install done, a lot of veteran players we've talked about. The summer work is here. You'll hear Sark talk about that. And they really want to get down to you know, the, the fine-tuning of the really, really important moments of a football game. Here's Sark on the goals for this training camp. You know, we definitely want to drill down even deeper than we have in the past to, you know, situational football. Um, you know, we, we felt like we've done a good job historically, um, but last year was not our best year in some of the situations as they arose, you know, I'd love for us to be a better third down football team and fourth down for that matter, especially defensively. Uh, I'd love for us offensively to be a better red area offense than we were a year ago. Um, we, we definitely need to create more turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and, and then some of those critical moments in the fourth quarter of, of, of putting our players in those positions in practice uh, so that they're comfortable in those scenarios when they come up in game. So we're really trying to drill down deeper into the situational football aspect of it all, um, more so than we have in the past. And I, I say that, Bob, because we do a lot of it, but we're really going for it this year. We feel like with the new rules in college football and the amount of time we get to spend with our players in the summer, uh, from a fundamental technique standpoint, we're, we're pretty confident. Now it's really drilling down to the situational football aspect of it, make sure that our players – uh, are comfortable when those situations arise. All right, there you go, Mike. I mean, uh, fourth quarter situations. The, you know, how do you you're gonna play? You're gonna play close games. You're gonna be in close games, just like they were last year. They had four of them, and they lost all four. Now they won some closer games too. The Baylor game, they turned around in the fourth quarter. The Iowa State game was a close one that they found a way to win it. Uh, but they've got to be better in that regard. And there's Sark admitting. Yeah, we, we, we're going to work on it. We've been working on it, but situationally, we've got to be smarter, better football team in, in big moments. And again, that's another champagne problem that points to the fact that Texas should be really good this year. There's a lot of teams that going into the – they're just trying to figure out who their best five offensive linemen are, who their quarterback is, like what the plays are and stuff. And because of the continuity on the coaching staff and because of the experience on the team – you know, that first year, he's trying to figure out if he has an offensive line. Last year, he's trying to figure out who the starting quarterback is. This year, they're just trying to fine-tune things, and that's a good sign uh, for where Texas is as a football team and as a program. 
it's going to come down to those moments. We talked about TCU earlier, that Baylor field goal kick. There's there's Oklahoma State in overtime. Like There's little moments in there where it came down to execution. You build those things in August because once the season starts, you don't have as much time for that. Well, and I remember Lincoln Riley talking about something that Bob Stoops taught him, and one of the reasons Oklahoma dominated the Big 12 in championships over its existence, or Texas and Oklahoma's existence in it, is, you know, elite performance at critical moments, period. Yeah. I mean – you know, Lincoln Riley talks about that a lot. And, you know, how do you win championships consistently? You perform in the elite level at the mo- highest pressure, critical moments of a game. Uh, we can all do it in the first quarter. We can all do it in the second quarter. We're talented. When the pressure's up, you need a big drive. You need a big play. Uh, I think you saw some of that last year with Jalen Ford, just making big plays and big moments, being that dude. They need more of those guys. They need Quinn Ewers to be better in that moment. Uh, and we'll see. But they're obviously going to spend the next 30 days drilling down and really staying focused on the details that change. And I think that is a, that is a phrase that, you know, if they can find that, the, the critical execution, elite execution in critical moments, that'll be the separator to this football team. How, how much would Gary Patterson help in return if he does? I mean, it does feel like there's been reports. We talked about it on our shows in Austin that it sounds like he's ready to come back. He knows he needs to be here at camp if he's going to. And I think it, it starts with the fact he wants to coach again. And, you know, he looked at Nebraska last year, talked to Arizona State, uh, he knows that if this thing can be a special season and he's a part of it again, he's back at you know 63 years old in the mix for a, a job that he really wants. Yeah, all the things we talked about with Sark earlier, not knowing if he can weather a storm, not th- knowing if he can win through adversity, not knowing if he can take a team to new heights. We know that Gary Patterson can do all those things. And so having somebody in that room that you can trust, that you look up to, or at least think of as somebody you, that you respect enough to bring into that room, that helps. That that adds a mentor there that can help you get through those things that maybe you've never done before and you don't know how to do it. It's easier, you know, you just never walk alone type thing, right? And so, you know, midweek, what do you do on Tuesday after a tough win? Like, should we dial it back? Should we dial it up? You know, after if they lose to Alabama, how do you figure that stuff? All of those things. Gary Patterson just offers you somebody with a lot of wisdom that you can go ask how they would handle it. Well, now if you're Sark, you've not only got Gary Patterson, kind of the overseer and your second set of eyes as a chief of staff kind of thing. Paul Christ helping with the offense. Payam Sadat on defense. Joe D. Camillus on special teams. 31 years in the NFL. I mean, there's a lot of smart people. And it also informs me that Sark is kind of he's checking the ego, and he'll listen uh, to, to smart people. Hey, Sark, I've been here. I've done that. Or we're seeing this. This might be a blind spot for you guys. Make sure you're paying attention. And the thing I'd say about somebody like Gary Patterson and these other analysts that I think maybe the, the average fan doesn't think about, I, I don't think you can put a, a, a value on coming in after a hard-fought game because these te- these coaches, folks, and these players get in a rhythm. It's it's Monday is this, you know, Sunday coming back, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You know, for the coaches to come in on Sunday after a win or a loss and to have the game plan already mapped out and built in all three phases from the analysts, like, hey, we've already scouted the next opponent. Here's what we're seeing. Here's what we're doing. This this play would work. This would work. I mean, you're you're two days ahead. By having those guys and Gary Patterson, maybe to oversee all that to say, okay, guys, here's our game plan. Here, now let's do an install with all the knowledge we need, and let's go hit the field and get ready for the next game. And like a, a G five program, like a Texas State or UTSA, that's like a twenty three year old GA doing that stuff, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and Texas is going to have Paul Christ and Gary Patterson do it. Yeah, you know, and so like those those are the advantages that Sark has. And to your point, I think that's a sign of maturity on Sark's part. You know, one, you're allowed to do this in a way that maybe you've never been allowed to do before. But he's taken advantage of it. He saw what Saban did, and he's kind of doing the same thing, right? Let's surround ourselves with as many smart people as they can. They can watch other teams. They can watch our teams. 
uh, and self scout. So I think that's a that's a big step forward for for Sark and good for Texas. Well, and maybe Sark's looking at it saying, you know what, I can be the guy that stays connected to my team. I don't drift too far from the locker room. I stay figuring out the pulse of this team. We feel really connected as a football team. I'm going to stay in that. I'm going to trust these coaches. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm going to call the offensive plays, but I'm going to work with A.J. Milwee and Paul Christ and Kirk, Kyle Flood. We're going to build a great game plan every week, and, you know, we're going to hit the field and execute it. Because I, I don't think he could be understated how big of a year this is for Steve Sarkeesian. Oh, man, it's, 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 it proves there are two narratives, right? He's not a great coach. He's overrated. Saban carried him. And now he's getting an opportunity. Maybe he should have gone to somebody else. And there's those who just think it's just a matter of time before he kicks the door and becomes a great coach. This season is that defining moment. Because I was just at American Conference media days, and you saw Tom Herman walk around. And you're like, well, that's that's where it goes if it doesn't go right. Like, you can be on this, like, soaring ship through the air. Like, when Herman got through Houston, was winning those big games, it got to Texas, he was the next big thing. And now he's at FAU. You know, and that's what Sark's looking at as well. Like we talk about how Quinn Ewers is going to basically decide his season this year is going to be the decision between the NFL draft and a transfer portal, most likely. All right. And for Sark, it's it's a similar thing where he gets this year and maybe next year to really prove who he is as a coach, or he's not going to get a USC. He's not going to get a Texas. He's going to have to go down a level and start kind of back over again, either as an offensive coordinator or as a coach of like a lesser P5 or a big G5. I mean, that's well said. I mean, when you say people hear, hear that, what you say about Quinn Ewers, let's be fair. Quinn Ewers is having a great year. He's going to the draft after his third year. If he doesn't have a great year, he's probably going to transfer because the pressure is going to be let Malik Murphy or Arch Manning take the reins of this thing. Quinn is just not going to do it. And they're kind of linked in that because mm-hmm. uh, you're right. Uh, uh, it is, it's really, really interesting. There's a lot to like about this team, but those two – questions equations become uh, the deciding factor all right third quarter on the eyes on texas multicast brought to you by brain vault technology with training camps opening up throughout high school football as well as college and around the nfl uh, brain vault is a revolutionary patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussions i know you hear that and think well what do you mean why would a mouth guard i wear that to protect my teeth and my jaw how could that help the risk of concussions? It's because it's more than just a mouth guard is the answer at Brain Vault. Optimally aligns the lower jaw in a position that strengthens the neck muscles to minimize concussive forces. Also aligns the lower jaw in a position that the head and neck allow maximum force during contact to absorb. The clenching jaw is the optimal in the optimal position, allowing for maximal force production of the muscles of the neck. Strong neck muscles help slow the head during contact, help minimize the stretch and the shear of brain tissue, and that leads to TBI. That's traumatic brain injury, and this has been proven. I mean, they've, they've got the uh, the evidence to show you how this works. Uh, we've told you it's my buddy Greg Eckert, Dr. Greg Eckert, my dentist, also his uh, his partner, Drew Pittman, who's been a 30, 28, 30-year 30 agent in the NFL. His clients who play National Football League football have started wearing the Brain Vault. It hasn't been a single concussion from one of his players wearing the Brain Vault technology. Uh, to find out how you can learn more and to get it uh, fitted for your youngster or your team, go to BrainVault.com. That's simple. Two words, but all together, BrainVault.com. That's BrainVault.com. Check it out. Play hard on the football field or any field of play. Play safe with Brain Vault. All right, fourth and final quarter, we hit our uh, big discussions here, and it's brought to you by Access Discount Healthcare, created by pharmacists to offer you a Netflix-style monthly subscription to help significantly cut your prescription drug costs. I know it sounds too good to be true, but it is. Uh, We'll tell you about them coming up. But simple question to wrap up our conversation of the deep dive into Texas football, which will be ongoing on the multicast here through the month of August, and, you know, it's the last day of July today, but we'll be knee-deep in football and actual practices coming up in future episodes. Simple question. How SEC-ready are these Texas Longhorns right now, in your opinion, Mike? How ready are they if they were indeed playing in the SEC this year? 
I think the roster is still a year away. You know, I think as these sophomores that we saw kind of play as true freshmen, that offensive line gets one year older. That defensive line, you know, at least on the edges, gets gets better. You know, over the next year or two, so, I, I think they become a little bit more ready. I think the roster is pretty ready in terms of just a talent standpoint, especially if they sign more, one more recruiting class. Again, I think it's the big question: is what we're going to learn this year? Is the program ready? Is the program SEC ready? Is the program ready? To go Alabama, then Georgia, then Mississippi State, then LSU, then you know, like, are they ready? Michigan in the non-con? <laughs> right? Are they ready for that? Because right, because so far, you know, since you know, because we got to remember, like, I know, like, I'm old enough, you're old enough, like, we remember when Texas just ripped off ten wins, and it doesn't feel that long ago. But like the guys that they're signing in recruiting classes were six years old, right? So like they've never seen it, and so if they can't see it in the Big Twelve, how can we see it in the SEC? I think that's going to be a valid question that the recruits are asking. Uh, it's a big year to kind of see if they're able to handle the Big 12 grind because if they can't do that, how are they going to handle the SEC grind? I, I agree with you, and this we know this year is a big indicator to where that is, and obviously to, they show the consistency. They go my record 10-2. and two. Uh, They live up to that, uh, maybe even 11-1. and one. I mean, that would be a great sign. Uh, obviously, the, the opposite of that would be, man, this team is not ready uh, for primetime and the SEC. Uh, all right, let me ask you a couple other questions outside of this. We'll get Nolan Hogan, our digital producer, involved in a little, little rapid fire around college football. Nolan, where were you on the uh, total losses in Big 12 play for the Longhorns this year from your young perspective? Because you're one of those guys that uh, Mike's talking about. I have never seen Texas be really good. The last time I uh, saw Texas be good in 2009 was when I dressed up as Colt McCoy for Halloween. <laughs> yeah. How old were you? I was eight. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and and we you were also at the Georgia Sugar Bowl. I was at that game. at the uh, with me and your mom, and that yeah. was uh, we're back. Yeah. No, yeah. they weren't. Oh, yeah. uh, we know what happened after that. The star of that show was Bevo going after <laughs> Ugga back in the day. But uh, what's your number? Um, I'm with Mike. I think minimum is two, or maximum is two. Um, big if, twelve losses. Big twelve losses. Maximum two. If you can get into that Big Twelve championship game, like like he said, and win that game, I think that's acceptable as well. But I I see where you're coming from with the one loss. I think that's that's easily doable. Yeah, well, it's all got to come together. Let me ask you this. So Jim Harbaugh, who's going to be suspended the first four games of the year, it looks like, for lying to the NCAA. Yeah, they didn't pick not that being game. That, that game wasn't on purpose. You know, anytime, for anybody listening out there, anytime one of these suspensions happens, just go and look who they play the week after the suspension's over, and you can tell why the suspension was it's as long weeks, as it is. Yeah. Like They play Nebraska week five. And like they don't play anybody the first four. And you yeah, can they're all tell. home. They play Bowling right. Green. Yeah, you can like it's just it's Rutgers. I love how they do that. <laughs> yeah, they they play nobody. They'll be twenty one point favorites in every game. So Harbaugh is going to negotiate with the NCAA. But he's on record today saying that he thinks his team this year will have twenty players drafted in the NFL next April. Twenty. Twenty. Including three <laughs> offensive linemen, his running back Blake Corum. He he believes they can break the Georgia record. The Georgia had fifteen last year and drafted. He thinks they can break that. Uh, over under 20 draft picks for Michigan this year in the seven-round draft. And if under, how far under, Mike Craven? I'm going to fade Jim Harbaugh <laughs> here um, and probably probably go go under 15. I'll, probably, I'll go 14. Okay. Nolan? Uh, I'm going to set the line at 11. Yeah. Well, I also think his quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, has a chance to be a yeah, special player. No, it's player a really good QB. team. That's going to be a really good team. Uh, and he loves his offensive line. They, they like their defense. I would and, take over a dozen. Yeah, I think so too. And I think he knows how talented his team is. He's played, you know, 
TCU last year. They got to scout Georgia. They play Ohio State. They kind of know where they stand in that pecking order. And he's done a good job. Remember, it was mm-hmm. it was tenuous. And this Jim Harbaugh, I think, is a lesson for fans who want to run coaches off. Sometimes you got to let them build into their image, get it to where they want it. And he's got this thing rolling, and he's he's turned it over on on Ryan Day at Ohio State. They're my pick. That's where my money has been placed on on the win uh, for the for the season. All right, to wrap things up in our fourth quarter and for our multicast today, uh, episode fifteen. Hopefully, you've enjoyed everything we've talked about. The Sark cuts. Appreciate Nick Shuley jumping in, but uh, pretty clear the Big Twelve is with without Texas and Oklahoma. Brett Yormark continues to be aggressive. Colorado is in. Uh, Colorado's made that official on on last Friday. Border regions vote today. They're officially joining rejoining the Big Twelve for next year. Uh, and a lot of reporting, a lot of belief that this will crumble the Pac-12. I'm among the, the believers of that. I have predicted this is going to happen for quite a while now. Only a matter of time. The only thing that could save it is that the Pac-12 got a media rights deal in place that could have salvaged this conference, but it's too late now. Uh, teams are now protecting their own and doing their best interest at this point, serving themselves. Who's next? Brett, it's been made clear. Brett McMurphy at Stadium.com and Action Network said, according to his sources, the Big 12 for certain plans to add one more team for next year to be at at least 14, but would like to be at 16 by next year. In an ideal world for Brett Yormark, you got to, I'm sure, talk to Brett when you're up there at Big 12 Media Days. Mike, who are the next three teams that would be the ideal scenario? And then how do you think this plays out in the next month? Yeah, I mean, I think ideal scenario would be Oregon, Washington, and, and maybe something like Miami or Florida State or something. You know, I think that would be the idea. You know, get another Florida piece in there. You get the the two corner schools up there in Oregon, Washington, get that Nike money. Uh, I think more realistically is something like Arizona State or Arizona, maybe even a Utah. Um, that way you can – because I don't know if, if, like, markets are as big of a deal anymore as it is, like, eyeballs. And a lot of those schools have a bunch of – like, Utah and Arizona State, for example, have huge, huge uh, enrollments. Like, it's like Central Florida. And so if you look at kind of what your mark's adding, it's been big universities and state universities. And so uh, with a lot of young people who are going to school there. And so you know, I, I think those guys fit the profile. But Oregon – is the main fish out there, Washington as well, I think, for any conference. The rumor right now, Nolan, is Arizona mm-hmm. this week could actually yeah. jump and leave, leave Arizona yeah. State because of football for sure, but basketball. Yeah. Uh, they're tired of waiting on Arizona State. Uh, Arizona State wants to try to salvage the Pac-12. And remember, Arizona State has campuses in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Arizona State, L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're kind of linked to the West Coast. They're not sure they want to jump. Arizona's ready to join Colorado. Oregon, I would agree with you 100%. Uh, and then you know Utah or Washington becomes the rub. Well, what, Mike, what about or Nolan? What about the idea that Oregon, because they want to be in the Big Ten desperately, they want to be with USC and UCLA and be the Western flank. Washington does too. If you're Brett Yormark, would you allow them in for like a, a seven year contract and then be okay with them moving to the Big Ten beyond that to get that for the next six seven years and then let them go? Uh, or <laughs> yeah. where are you? If I'm Yormark, yeah, because he's not going to be there in six yeah, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this man's flipping this for a big time job. Like he's going to be like. You're the right. next commissioner of the NFL or the SEC or the college football player or something like he, be, your mark is like a head coach that's trying to get that next job, right? Like, so uh, if I'm him, for sure, I, I think for the stability of the league, though, you're trying to get to 14 or 16 of teams that you can ride with for, for 10 years plus. But maybe that doesn't exist anymore. Maybe the whole, like, let's ride together for the next three generations just isn't a thing, and this is going to reshuffle every decade. Well, I think if you want generational, I think the idea the ideal would be Arizona and Utah. Yeah. To be your three, right? To go with or with Colorado State and eventually Arizona State because you got the desert schools, the four corner schools. Utah's a natural rival to BYU. Uh, that really 
makes continuity sense. Uh, now there's the name of UConn, which you know they're talking about for basketball. That's one to leave out there. But we'll pick that up for a later edition. Nolan, do you have an ideal school that would be perfect for the Big 12 when Texas and Oklahoma are gone? I like Utah. I think that's a really fun school. They were, I mean, in that Rose Bowl, they they really showed out against Ohio One back-to-back State. Back-to-back and... Big Pac-12 titles. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kyle yeah. Whittington's a really good coach. Yeah. I think if you Shout could somehow land Rising. Utah, yeah, Utah and Arizona, uh, Arizona for basketball and what they could be in football. Right. I think you, you're you're cooking with grease at that point. By the way, gas grease. I am all for being the Big Twelve reporter at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. If we expand, because like I know the better football is probably in the SEC, but the better locations. Oh yeah, are going to be in the Big Twelve. Like, you can have Tuscaloosa and Athens and, and wherever South Carolina is. I'll go to <laughs> Provo and Tucson. And you know, Salt maybe, Lake City, Salt Lake City, Boulder. <laughs> you know, like you know, I'll take the Lubbock trick every, trip every other year, maybe, and that'll be fine for three days. But it's gonna, especially if they got Oregon and Washington. Count me like, in. Those are destination areas right there. As All far right. as the Oregon goes with the seven-year contract and move on to the Big Ten, I don't like that idea as a fan. Just seeing like with the rivalry sake for the con- continuity Agreed. of a rival. I think that if you build a rivalry and then you just cut it off like that, it just makes it inge- uh, disingenuous. Yeah, well, because the problem is the Big Ten's not calling Oregon right now. Right. And they, maybe they will, but right now they're not. All right, that's going to do it. That's our fourth quarter presented by Access Discount Healthcare. Let me explain this to you again. It is a prescription drug platform. This is not insurance. This is not part of your insurance. This is essentially Netflix-style uh, monthly service for prescriptions. And it really is. You simply pay a, pay a small monthly fee, just like you would to watch all your videos on Netflix uh, once a month. And then all your prescriptions that you have are free. Uh, there's no long-term contract, month-to-month deal. So if you say, yeah, I'm going to try that, but if it doesn't work, I'm going to dump it, that's fine. There's no commitment. You cancel at any time. Subscriptions are $21.99 for an individual, $26.99 a month for two people in a family, or $31.99 for a family of three or more. And it doesn't matter how many in your family – provided you live at the same address, and prescriptions can be mailed directly to you or picked up at over 64,000 pharmacies like Walgreens, CVS, and others. You can see if your drugs are included before you sign up. They've got uh, nearly everything covered with the drugs you need, the prescription drugs you need. Uh, so if your family members or you are paying more than 21 31 26 99 a month for prescriptions, this platform will save you money. They're already saving over 1.5 million Americans using that platform, a collective $100 million. Here's the big number, folks. That whole idea of of a month-to-month subscription, not a month and not a long-term contract. 1.5 million Americans are already saving, and the retention rate is 98.5%. Once people get locked into this, they don't leave it because they're saving money, much like their Netflix account, uh, and it's much more important than movies and, and videos. Once you're signed up, consumers are in. This is not insurance. It's not a discount card, and all you have to do is go to the website to learn everything you want. They'll have every question you have answered. They've got videos to walk you through it. It's your FreeRxDrugs.com. That's your FreeRxDrugs.com. Sign up and learn more today. Just go to that website. They'll answer all your questions. Your FreeRxDrugs.com. And that's a wrap on another edition of the Eyes on Texas Multicast. Number 15 is in the books. We are a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Podcast Network. Also powered by Grande Equipment. I'm Aaron Hogan, morning show host here at the Horn. He is the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Football uh, Magazine, Mike Craven. You're, you're in town for a little while here? Uh, tomorrow we got uh, well Tuesday. Uh, Texas starts, and then I'm going to Baylor as well. You know, A and M on Sunday. So start making my rounds, kind of preseason rounds. Um, so no, no, back on the road. <laughs> <laughs> back on the road. Never I'll be ends. back next Monday though for sure.
Then we look forward to that next Monday, episode 16. We appreciate Nick Shuley for his time and visiting the EOT Bunker. Thank you to our digital producer, Nolan Hogan, our executive producer, Griffin Hogan, their incredible work. And uh, uh, week by week, they do a, a, a tremendous job. Thanks to our founding partners, Carlos Carrion, the Texas Mortgage Hay City Store, and Taste on Main in downtown Buda. Dr. Greg Eckert and his Brain Vault Technology, uh, One Source Gas, and of course, yourfreerxdrugs.com and our powering and presenting sponsor grande equipment locally owned independent but worldwide equipment company serving heavy equipment needs since 2004 online at grandeequipment.com it is the multicast that keeps you on top of all things texas football it's available to watch weekly on dave campbell's texas football as we mentioned the horn and austin youtube pages as well available for download through itunes and spotify or wherever you find your podcasts hook them horns